Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports Midweek OTA. It's Jason Springer here with Jeff Cohen, who is back from Colorado, but in his mind apparently is on a beach. Jeff, um, the background? You don't know what this represents? No. This is pretty much what the players are doing, the Sixers right now. Oh, is that what's going yeah, on? Yeah, saying that they're out of the beach now. They're they've, all... they've been removed from the bubble. They're out on the beach somewhere. I don't know what beach this is. Every one of them could be on different beaches because apparently they have no chemistry. So since they don't have chemistry, they probably aren't all vacationing together at this point. Man, somebody was snarky on their return trip from Colorado. <laughs> it's not my return trip from Colorado that's the issue. No? It's their return trip from Orlando that's the issue. That's the problem. All right, let's talk Correct? about it. The, uh, oh, well, first we should talk a little bit about show news, right? Before we get into the, the basketball. We have news? We have news. We're moving. Are, are we literally breaking news? Is that what you're telling me? Well, sure. I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit on the live show on Friday that we weren't sure when 610 ESPN wouldn't be 610 ESPN anymore. Right. Um, but for us, it sounds like our last show on the station will be Friday. Are we going we to the Northern Lights? We are not going to the Northern Lights. All right. So, you, you know, I like to play with these backgrounds. We're going, we going to another planet? No. I'm sure some people would like that. We're going to the Beasons Bay Park. Family of stations. Uh, we'll be a part of the 97.5 network on their podcast, and we'll be live on WWDB every Friday. Uh, you can still catch us streaming live on the internet, all different places. You can find the podcast everywhere afterwards. Um, but it's an opportunity for us to get into different audiences, uh, to be exposed to 97.5 Fanatic Network. Um, Jeff, exciting times. We're, we're going to make a little move. You got the truck backed up? You know, if, if we own, which one? The Mayflower van? Yeah. Is that what we're getting? Get it ready. They moved it up from Baltimore and they're bringing us on it. Damn skippy. No, this is exciting. I mean, look, it's, a, it's another move for us that, that hopefully increases the number of people that listen to our show. And the more people that listen, the more fun we get to have. Um, we get to continue on year five of this crazy endeavor. We talked about some of our highlights of interviews. And now we're going to get to keep doing lots of fun interviews. So uh, it'll be exciting times. Uh, you could join Never us. Never a dull day. You can join right? us live at 4 p.m. this Friday as we are apparently going to be simulcast on both 610 ESPN and WWDB. Correct, Jeff? The world is expanding. You can find Jeff Cohen everywhere. Me the the sun, our goal is for the sun to never set on media, the heart of sports. Media mogul Jeffrey Cohen appearing on uh, Keith. Wait, Mon what about you? Podcast. Well, hold on. Why are you not including yourself in this? I mean, we, we have our own production company. You're half of it. And so you're the media mogul too. Uh, we're, we're all chasing dreams, right, Jeff? So we'll be on WWDB 860 AM. Except the Sixers. <laughs> we're going to get to that. They're not chasing any dreams right now. 4 PM Friday. Uh, you can hear our last show on 610 ESPN. And, and then we get to chase a new journey, Jeff. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, let's start it off. Uh, oh, by the way, apparently yeah. you'll be able to now hear the midweek OTA, not just on the internet. That'll also go on the 97.5 Fanatic podcast network so oh no more yeah. of us talking sports they're gonna be able to hear us a lot so oh. it's gonna be kind of fun let's get into right. a little bit um there really isn't much to say about the series against Boston. <laughs> um, oh there's a lot to say there is but yeah. what are we what are you actually gonna say it was terrible they got swept they were barely in the series yes they were close in some games but the you're being so generous i am Seriously, oh, ahead, they, they were barely in. They, they were never in this series. Never. 
this was embarrassing from the first tip off. Well, let's and this be is not this is not the fault of just not having Ben Simmons the for whole, anybody who wants to make that excuse. The whole bubble experience for the Sixers was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Okay? You know, they talked all this game. We saw our videos of Ben Simmons shooting and chemistry is going to be great and going to be this and we're going to be that and Simmons is going to move and Shake's going to be there and Neto's not going to play. Bullshit. <laughs> like, oh, look at that. You, you went straight to dropping a BS bomb. We're not, I won't approve this one for kids on YouTube when it goes up. Okay. Just because of that. But I mean, wow, you I'm and your tired, salty language, man. I'm tired of being lied to about what this team is. We all see what it is. Yes, Brett Brown is fired. It, who are you, Brown, Dennis Green? Brett Brown didn't yet. They are who we thought they were. <laughs> Let them off the hook. Um, Brett Brown didn't construct this team, though. And that's the larger problem that I see. Yes, Brett Brown is gone because when you have superstars and you have the amount of money this team is spending and you don't produce, you have to make changes. And as of right now, it seems like they're not going to move their big superstars. So you have to move the coach. I get that. So let's talk about Brett first before we get into other things. Your thoughts on the change. We know our frustration, but let's look at his seven years here, not just how it ended. Should I start with the positive? Yeah, I think you should because he's a really nice guy. He is a nice guy. And, and that's what every player said. And that's what ownership said as they fired him is Brett's a really nice guy. And, and look, having talked to him, he is a really nice guy. He is very smart. The problem was he wasn't in charge. Well, and that's the thing. His whole tenure was built around uncertainty. Mm-hmm. He had injuries, trades, development. He's on the hot seat. Front office changes. Front office switches. More trades. Rumors. He's on the hot seat again. He served under three front offices in his time as Sixers. Two of them that ended in very well. Ugly- actually, technically, four front offices if you count uh, Colangelo's alter ego. This is true. Yeah, they like it was not. And I'm not making excuses for Brett because I have my own questions about his development of players on this team and how they actually played on the court in terms of matchups and changes and rotations. And they got their ass kicked every third quarter coming out of the gates. Here's, here's the simple way to look at it. Look at every third quarter. Look at the third quarters in the Boston Celtics series. They were disasters. Is that because Brad Stevens is better, is a better coach? Or is it just because Brett didn't know how to adjust? And that doesn't just apply to him. That would imply to his whole coaching staff. And it applies to the players. And it applies to the front office. Nobody should take Brett Brown off the hook. The fact is, having watched those practices, I can tell you there's nobody running that team at practice. He's calling out plays. If Joel doesn't want to do something, he doesn't do it. If Ben Simmons doesn't want to do something, he doesn't do it. If the two stars of your team aren't doing something, what happens? Nobody else does. Uh, Now, supposedly Jimmy Butler did last year. What they do? They got rid of him. Who did it this year? Josh Richardson. His quote after this this series was over is damning. He's a good guy. He's a good man. He means well. I just think going forward, he's got to have some more accountability. We've got to just start from scratch. They all need accountability. And look, we talked to Keith Pompey last week, and what did he say about where was Joel Embiid staying in the, during during the pandemic? He's staying I with an owner. Was shocked by.
by that. I, 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 what I said authority that. does your coach have when your star player is literally sleeping at the home of the person who puts the coach in place? I did. I did the Pompeii on Sixers, the the uh, podcast with with podcast Keith. with Keith Pompeii. You can catch. Yeah. And, and I and I could tell you, I I said it to him. I said he sent a chill down my spine because the fact that Joel is staying with with Ruben doesn't make any sense to me. And it does send a message to the rest of the team. It certainly sends a message to the coach. If you, Remember, Brett Brown is still a first-time coach. Okay, He was not a head coach in the NBA before this. So he looks and goes, okay, I got to make sure that Joel gets his touches. I got to make sure Joel and Ben are happy. And if I don't, where do I reach Joel? Oh, I reach him at the owner's house. That's not a call that you want to make. That's not a position that you want to be in. And whoever they bring in next has to have some sort of gravitas that the owners back off. And the first time that Joel goes and says, well, you know, I'm not getting enough touches. I don't like where I'm playing. I don't like the way that the offense is running or the defense is running. The owner and Elton have to say, Joel, whatever the coach says, it goes. Let's talk about that yeah. front office a little bit. Four years ago, everybody talks about the process failed, blah, blah, blah. The process ended when Sam Hinkie was gone. All right. He's the only one who wanted to actually build assets that way. Then they started playing fantasy basketball. We talked about it with Keith the other day. They wanted to win the press release and the headline. They wanted to make the big splash rather than build the big team. So four years ago, they had a younger Joel Embiid, a younger Ben Simmons, Dario Saric, Robert Covington, two max cap spaces, the third overall pick, a pick coming from the Kings, and a pick coming from the Lakers. And this team decided that in an era of getting smaller, going faster, having more shooting, they would go bigger, get slower, and have less shooting. And now they've invested over $400 million in it and are strapped for cap space in an era where people aren't going to want to trade big contracts because the economic ramifications of what's going on are huge right now. This is unbelievable. So this is a larger problem than just Brett Brown. And they can say... Elton may move to a different title and we'll have something else. You said it. If your star staying at the owner's house, it don't matter what you do. And let's, let's remember Elton was a first time general manager who was what? Three years removed from sitting on the Sixers bench. He went was, from being the general manager of a G League team to the general manager of an NBA team. Elton may have great ideas. Elton is not the guy that the buck stops with. The Sixers wanted somebody wanted here that they could collaborate that. on their decisions. Yes. And, and I think that's why they like him there, because they can continue to try to have influence on the moves rather than having somebody who's there that will say, no, that's ridiculous. How many why times does it give, work? Why would you ask a question? How many times does it work? where the owner is calling the shots. Is it working with Jerry Jones in football? Is it working with Dolan in, in basketball? I mean, t tell me where the situation is. Give you a local story here. Is it working with Middleton here? Look at this Phillies bullpen. No. Right? Like, let's be honest. You put accomplished professionals in position for a reason. Right now. You mean Jeffrey Lurie? The Sixers have a payroll and luxury tax bill projected to be among the highest in league history next year the highest in doesn't that mean that doesn't mean that their roster is set for a team that went out in the first round and they have have even been invited to the bubble in the first place the way they played they have 11 guys under contract 
a 12th in the two in the two way contract to Mariel Shayok. The good news is, is uh, there are a bunch of guys that are not coming back. The bad news is, is some of them should have been given a better opportunity like Alec Burks, like Glenn Robinson, the third, those guys are likely going to be gone. There's more of a chance that they might stay now that Brett Brown's not here, but here's the problem. I always thought that Brett Brown should have established a player's council. Those seem to work. If you're not going to be the coach that's going to put down your foot, that's going to say this is the way it's going to be, then you got to have players that have that kind of power and that people listen to. Jimmy Butler was that kind of guy. As, as abrasive as he could be, he was what this team needed last year. They got rid of him. They brought it. The guy that replaced him is apparently the same kind of guy. That's what they his, thought they were getting with Al Horford. They spent $100 million plus on he's a not. guy. He's not. Al Horford's a quiet leader. But uh, that's, what, that's not what they needed. He was supposed to play the role to teach Joel and guide this team. Mm-mm. He that, was competing with Joel for minutes. Exactly. They didn't fit together. It, but we all knew that. Look, well, it, most of us knew that. If you remember, I, go back and listen to the tape. I told you this wasn't going to work. You did. I, I, this is this is not the this wasn't the answer of how to spend their money. You because there was nobody to shoot the ball. It goes back longer than that, though. I mean, you know, there's the draft with Fultz over Tatum. You can talk about that. Whatever they didn't resign JJ and, and then trading Fultz and then trade for, him for they, a bag of basketball. They did. Who, by the way, I know you don't want me to say this, but he is averaging more points in the playoffs than Al Horford did. Yeah, but that doesn't make him good. It doesn't, but it also doesn't make Al Horford good. He's being paid a lot more on the same. No, but if you watch Markel Fultz play, he still can't shoot. So they failed to re-sign J.J. Redick, who was the mm-hmm. best, pretty much only shooter. Right. They traded away Robert Covington and Dario Saric for a Jimmy Butler rental, which is the same. Dar- Dario could shoot. Which is, Jimmy McConnell yeah. could shoot a little bit. Could shoot, but right. instead they, Trey traded Burke could those, shoot. they traded those assets for a player in Jimmy Butler that then they didn't extend. It's the same argument I make with you with the Phillies and Sixto and JT Real Muto. Uh-huh. Then they hired Elton Brand, who, nice guy, didn't who, quite have... He had, what, one year in the G League as a general manager? Didn't quite have experience at the position on the NBA level or at any other level. At the G League level. Didn't re-sign Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. Traded Mikael Bridges for Zaire Smith and a first-round pick. Traded away Landry Shamit, their own lottery pick, to get Tobias Harris and re-sign him to a contract. I think he hit three three-pointers in the series. Look, we love Tobias You're Harris. giving me a headache. Great guy. Yeah. But it's it just – and you go into even smaller moves. Marco Bellinelli, Ersan Ilasova, let them walk. Mm-hmm. Let them walk. They, and they can shoot. They can shoot. Mm-hmm. Instead, they sign Al Horford to be a leader instead of – for $35 million more – than Bogdanovich in, in Utah. It's just ridiculous, the decisions that this franchise has made. So, yes, you can make a change. Wait, you're not forgetting the great move in the bubble of Ryan Brokaw. That as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, look. Who never suited up for the Sixers. The fact that I had to deal with your text messages of Trey Burke going off on that was on the court is enough for me. It's been every game. I know. Trey Burke's gone off in every game yeah. against, against arguably the best defensive team in the league. He has, and it's just so, yes, they can replace Brett Brown. So, wait, wait, wait. Don't get off of Trey Burke so quickly because it's not just that Trey Burke is finding a place on this team. He's finding a place despite despite the fact that he's the backup 
to the guy who's killing everyone in the bubble, Luka Doncic. Yep. It's, and he's still, they're still finding time for him. So why couldn't Brett Brown find time for him here? This is not a new question that you've asked. You, you mm-hmm. interviewed Trey before the season. Um, you had followed his career going back to his days at Michigan. You've been asking the question about the role that he could have and the ability he had to shoot on this team since before they brought him in, since the time he was here, and from the time that they left. So this is not a new thing for you where you're jumping on going, oh. I wouldn't complain if there was somebody else that I could point to that came off the bench that provided some offense. And there was nobody that came off the bench and provided offense. All right. So, you know, they'll see what, we'll see what they do with Elton. We'll see what they do with the front office. They're obviously going to make a move for a new coach. Some of the names out there, um, their current assistant, Ime Udoka, you hear Ty Lue's name out there, Kenny Atkinson, the former Nets coach. No. Dave Jorger, the former Kings and Grizzlies coach, who I don't no. want as well. Jay Wright, who I have no idea why he would do that. Um, Sam oh, no, there's a reason to do it. Well, let's get into him in a sec. Sam Cassell is actually an interesting name to me of somebody who paid his time and was a player and could understand the star mentality. But I don't know if this is somebody who you want their first time coaching to come in again because that was part of Brett Brown's problem. Mm-hmm. Did you need somebody who's sure of themselves? Yeah, but he wasn't a player. See, part, well, that's part of the argument is a better option because he was a player, but he's also had the the star that he's had to deal with before and the front office challenges. I mean, he's dealt with a shit show before. So it's not something new for him. Right. So uh, to me, he's the, the obvious option to try and bring in with this. It, you know, if you're not going to stay in house, I'd prefer them not to stay in house just because the culture at this point needs to change. I don't think they can stay in house because obviously the guys that anybody who was on Brett Brown's bench obviously didn't participate or create a situation that got the players to buy in. So if they couldn't, you usually have a closer relationship with players when you're an assistant coach. If it didn't work as an assistant coach that you were able to get people to buy in, you're not going to be able to get them to buy in as a head coach. And there's nobody on this bench that has the gravitas that you need right now. You can't afford to take a chance on a coach right now. If the Sixers decide they're going to find the next Nick Nurse or they're going to find the next Brad Stevens, good luck with that but this city is going to revolt on them. And if we're at a situation where fans are allowed back in the seats, I don't think the seats will be full. I think that this was it. I think going out in the first round in a sweep, the Sixers now, the ownership now needs to do something because if money is the bottom line for them, they're about to see what happens. The city is not going to put up with this anymore. Are we processing again? No, because that would processing is, is tanking. And I don't think they can. I don't think they can tank. I don't think it can ever happen again. I don't think the NBA would allow it to happen again. And the Sixers would have to unload a whole bunch. And they can unload a whole bunch. They're now at the point where instead of being what they were before the process started, which is the land of mediocrity without making the playoffs, they're now in a situation where they're in the land of a little bit better me- mediocrity, where they're the sixth, seventh, or eighth seed going into next year with a whole bunch of teams that are younger. And getting better while the Sixers are not. Your 2021 Philadelphia 76ers, more mediocre than ever. <laughs> That's what you're looking at. I don't know what you might want to come up with a marketing plan because I don't know what the marketing plan is going to be if you have the same people here with the same attitude. That's why I, yeah, but that's why I think that you either have to bring in 
a Tyron Lue. And remember, Tyron Lue said, look, if I come in, I'm bringing Chauncey Billups with me. Chauncey Billups is an interesting guy in and of himself to come here. He's a smart guy who, who right after he, he finished his basketball career, and he was a winner as a basketball player, was, was an intriguing option for front office jobs. So, and, and he can be a disciplinarian from what I heard. So maybe that, that team coming in here works. You mentioned Jay Wright. You ask why Jay Wright might want to take this job because college basketball is about to change. Okay. Jay, first of all, Jay Wright has done everything you could possibly do at Villanova. And the answer, people always say, well, okay, well, he's done everything and he can stay there forever and he can write his own ticket and blah, blah, blah. Here's the problem. After a while, you may decide you want to do something else. It may have been his dream since the beginning to coach the Sixers. He's a Philly guy. He's been here forever. And so maybe he's a guy who wants to take that chance and maybe he doesn't want to go into people's homes every year, begging them to have their kids, even though it's, it's easier to recruit at Villanova. It's still, you're still not getting most of the Duke players or the North Carolina players or the Kansas players or Kentucky players. So you're still getting the, the four stars instead of the five stars. They all think they're leaving after a year. Then you got to go out and recruit again. And by the way, with everything that's happening now with student athletes figuring out that they have more power than they had, college athletics is about to change dramatically. And it's another reason that coaches may say, you know what? It's time for me to try something else. So he may want to do it. You asked a question on the show on Friday to Keith, and it's been bugging me all weekend because Keith was saying something about how Joel Embiid, that something will keep Joel Embiid happy. And your response to him is, what would make him happy? Um, what is it going to take to motivate? What was the answer? I don't even remember. There, a little bit of everything was actually okay. his answer that he wanted. Touches. To, That's he, what makes he him. wanted touches. He wanted to be out on the perimeter, but he also wanted to be under the basket. He wanted to, to have more control over the game. And I, I just, you're going to need buy-in from the players. And, and that's been a problem is that I don't think you've had the buy-in from Ben and Joel to become the players they need to be to take the team where it needs to go. That's not to say that they have to, done things. You don't even have to think it. All you have to do is look at comments <clears throat> from Jimmy Butler last year, J.J. Redick, and now Josh Richardson. It's, this isn't a question. There was no buy-in. Brett Brown was a nice guy. He ran camp. Summer camp. That's what this turned into. I know that was the baseball term, summer camp, but basically what he did is he ran a summer, summer camp where everybody got to kind of do whatever they wanted. If you want to go in the pool, go in the pool. You want to go get some ice pops, go get some ice pops. You but what they didn't do is play as a basketball team. You keep watching the, the NBA playoffs now that the Sixers are out. You know, what's oh, your yeah. sports lineup now that um, the Sixers doesn't are playing? Doesn't change. doesn't change. No. Yeah, the NBA playoffs are really good. The hockey playoffs – are really good. Spectacular, other than the Flyers game. Last yeah, the, well, you know what? They're, they're going to have a clunker here or there. And that was play. it. <laughs> that was but, definitely it. Let's, let's hope that. that's it. Let's talk about that for a, a few minutes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then we'll, you know, we try to make these shows shorter, so we'll cut it off there, save stuff for Friday. Um, they're 0-3 in the bubble when their opponent scores the first goal. They're 7-0 and when they scored the first goal. They were outshot 15-4 to in the first period, and they were down one nothing. It could have been much more. There were some unbelievable saves by Carter Hart. In that first period, uh, Claude Drew said the first period was probably the worst period we've had since we've been in the bubble. 
they were chasing the game throughout, which they make an annoying habit of doing going back to the regular season. And you can't do that against the Islanders. They're a difficult, deep, young, hungry team with a goalie in Barlamov that can get hot and shut you down, which he did in the second period when they had 15 shots on him and couldn't get anything past him. So, you know, it's been a frustrating there, the Flyers are a good enough team to do things, but their top players are not producing. They, they still don't have goals from some of their top guys, and they just need to, to have more out of them. The power play continues to struggle. Ended up being a 4 nothing loss on the pulled goalie at the end, an a empty net goal. Just a frustrating first game of the series. And now, it, look, I told people all along, I thought it would go six or seven games. So, obviously, you're going to lose games. You hope that that's the worst that it is in the series and that they come back from that. But that's a tough way to get started. Do you think the Flyers started reading their own press clippings? Do you think this was a situation that they came into the first game flat because they just thought they were that much better? Do you think they went from the mentality, the hungry mentality, or do you think that this was just, you know what, this was just an off night? I'd like to think they're not that team, but they were definitely flat. So if it wasn't an off night, then yeah, they smelt themselves because they didn't come in looking like the team they had looked like at other times dominating play. Mm-hmm. That second period where, you know, they were, they were taking the pace of play. They did not start off like that. And you can't play from behind in the playoffs. The pressure is so much higher to front run in this league in these playoffs is essential in terms of being able to control the pace of play, keep the puck in the other end, not have to chase goals, and that just wasn't what we saw in game one. All right. Let's hope that there's a different outcome because if they get behind 0-2, I don't think they can come back from it. I don't yeah. care if Carter Hart stands on his proverbial head. If you don't score goals, it doesn't matter. Game two is Wednesday at 3 p.m. So they have an afternoon start. A little odd timing. Are you happy? You like those afternoon <laughs> games? Yeah, I'll watch the game with my son. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, am I happy? I think I'd prefer like the 7 o'clock game. I think that's the optimal time in terms of the team being used to playing in their routine. 6 p.m. for 6 any sporting p.m. event. To in me, is like ideal. The team's routine, they can have their regular day. So, you know, mm-hmm. at the p.m. game, they're, they're off. For me, personally, as a dad with a young kid trying to get my kid into sports, a 3 p.m. hockey game is perfect. He's going to wake up from his nap, and we can sit there and watch the first period of the game. And you're done by dinner. Absolutely. Game's over by dinner unless it's, you know, a four overtime game. Perfect world. Jeff, you going to watch mm-hmm. Union return home tonight? I am. Are you? I can't wait. I, I'm going to watch. Want to go? Can we go? I think it's a little late to ask for that. Uh, all right. You got to make some calls. Are they going to have anybody in the stands? Uh, no. Kevin Casey will be in the box. And- hey, before we go, yeah. did you see that Miami, the Dolphins, and University of Miami are planning to have fans in the stands? What could go wrong, Jeff? So I heard some of the other teams are not happy about this. I'm sure. The NFL. You, do, you, you think, do you think we get to a point where one of the NFL teams says, I'm not playing there? Is that possible? I don't know. How do they not have a uniform rule for this? The NFL does everything in uniformity. Uniforms even have to be uniform. What kind of sneakers and socks you wear? You're telling me that they are going to let that we are now at a situation where the commissioner is going to let and the owners are going to have a situation where each team is going to decide whether or not they're going to have fans when it impacts the teams that are coming into their building? Oh, I think Jerry's going to push it as much as possible in Texas. 
Well, now, well, now he is. I, I mean, am. he already was, but but if if I'm him, I now get to say, well, Florida, Miami's going to do it. Remind so, me, I want to talk to you on the show on Friday about Roger Goodell and Emmanuel Acho sitting down. Have you seen any of that? I did. It was a very good interview. Actually, it was very good. Emmanuel mm-hmm. Acho does his uncomfortable conversations with a black man. And Great title for for a podcast. It is. It's and, and it's the content is excellent. Mm-hmm. It, it is very good for people just looking to have a rational discussion or see a rational conversation about some of the challenges that the people are facing in every day. And it's not something where you place blame, but it was interesting to hear Goodell talk about Kaepernick and um, talk about, you know, the, the place of the NFL in, in these social movements and everything. So we'll talk more about that on Friday. Jeff, where can they catch us on Friday? Everywhere, everywhere, wherever the sun is about to set, we will be a four from four to five. We will be uh, our last show on six ten before it no longer is 610 ESPN. Uh, we will also be simulcast and we'll continue after that on WWDB. And our, our shows will be available for streaming there and on the 97.5 Fanatic. That's right. Sounds good, Jeff. Any final parting shots? Are you still picking cactus needles out of your hand? All gone. All gone. There's still some holes, but I'm all done. Proud of you. Still not going hiking. Yep. Talk to you Friday. Everybody have a good week.